this is that other sports show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. Sports mm. talk. We're going to talk swollen out of control. We're going to talk me in a bear costume fighting Frank Mir in a boxing match. We're Seven getting closer. Exhibition. We're getting close. Triller, I'm going to stay on your ass until you get back to me and let me know when this fight's going to happen and just how much I'm going to get, win, mm. lose, or draw. I want this Most to importantly. Uh, your show money, right? Your show money, and then your win money. Isn't that how Triller pays? Or is that how Jake Paul pays? Yes. Uh, that's how I, I don't care how it gets paid as long as I get paid. I think that's the basis. <laughs> Bottom I think line. that's the basis of it all. Jake Paul, I'll, fight, I'll fight Jake Paul's punk ass. Ooh. I wow. don't care. I just want to I want, I want to punk get ass. This is what I'm going to do. God, I want to see that fight now. I'm going to have Team Toss. 21 at team mm-hmm. toss 21 all all across my ass and my shorts mm. and i'm just gonna strut through that stuff with a bear suit on top yeah boxing shorts on the bottom and, my, and of course my boots my boxing boots of course but you know what i'm going Your old everlast. school. i'm going old school i'm going low top boxing oh. shoes not the high tops are you gonna do like mike tyson and not wear any socks in no socks sh- no yeah you gotta no, do like no mike socks. tyson why, why are we doing that why are we doing that listen you gotta stay hungry like mike tyson he only knew one way um, Jess, I want to start the show with a curveball. Are you ready? Let's do it. Uh, I haven't talked to a lot of people about this. I'm getting my no scalpel vasectomy this week. I think this is a perfect time to spread positivity and uh, encourage our male listeners to get vasectomies during Christmas holidays. <laughs> uh, did you get you, my friend? You are, is it vasectomized? Have you had a vasectomy? You've had being, one. being vasectomized sounds like uh, I should have a lawsuit involved or something like that. <laughs> I've been vasectomized. I, I don't know. know what's happening right now. Help me. You, uh, you, you went done. under? I, I, uh, I have you're... been snipped. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's better. It's, it's snipped and it's done. It's been that way for quite some time. How many years? Uh... Oh, easily, yeah, 10, easily right? eight, ten years. Yeah, it's been a while. Yikes! I did got you that. do I got, the? I got that. I got that stuff done quick. Did you do no scalpel or you did scalpel? I don't even think no scalpel was available at the time. I completely Man, was amazing. I'm telling you, the technology that they have these days, it is amazing. You're you're absolutely right. I don't even know what the procedure that you're about to go through is going to be like, but just the fact that nothing is going to cut into your balls or your ball sack. That sounds amazing already. I had to go through a numbing process, which yeah. does it, it's not numb when the needle hits. It's I only numb say. afterwards. You I get the just... pinch. Doctor says, <laughs> the, the surgeon says, hey, you're going to feel pinch. Is that uh, like a surgeon Jesus. thing, by the way? I feel like they say that to everybody, but I did feel the pinch. Damn it. You did. I did. And is then it... the worst part. Yes. And this is a part that I don't think that you're going to have to go through, at least with the no yeah. scalpel situation, right? Let's That's the searing of the tubes None of that. that come together. None of that. That produce or allow the semen to get through. It's I had smell. to smell the smell, the burning of my own flesh, people. It was you not know, pleasant. 
I've uh, talked to several different men about this because I got advice from several different men, including yourself. Thank you for texting me about this and giving me advice. Um, and that seemed to be the common denominator on most of the guys that had negative experiences where I was looking for the, hey, what's the negative? And the negative was the uh, the smell. A lot of guys like the smell. And as I was discussing this with the doctor, he's like, you know, you won't smell anything because there's no cat. What is it? Well, you just said it. They're, they're melting your sack together. <laughs> is that right? Why can't I say these medical th- terms? What is it? Catheterizing? Uh, what is it called? Catheter- yeah. Cauterize. Cauterize. No cauterizing. No like cauterizing str- of the uh... testicles. <laughs> testicles. Whatever. It's like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fucking doctor. It's like the it's like cheroot board or cherry uter. It's just I can't say it, but I know what it is. I know what it is when they're basically, you know, burning your sack together or, or melting something. <laughs> To keep it together, merging it, if you were welding it, if you will. This one, I'm reading it. There's uh, two vas deferens that are cut. That's um, the that's the stuff. That's the stuff. They're gonna cut that. The vas deferens. My doctor has draw um drawn out a, a photo for me that I'll post. Um, if if people ask, or I'll just I post it. That or sounds. Post I, it. I'm interested. I'm I'll very interested. It. He says, I need to give him 20 seconds of trust because there's going to be 20 seconds of tension and there's no way out of it. It's going to, I'm going to feel something. He says, this is where most people, this is, he goes, this is where you really, he looked me in the eyes. He's like, this is where you really got to trust me. And I'm like, Jesus, I guess. Cause he's talking about my penis. I got it right. Like this is a serious deal. You don't Stop. want any slip ups. All right. Are you you don't want any slip ups involved in this process. I'm going to read this. Oh man, I am cauterized. Are you ready? Let's hear it. I'm I'm super interested in this right now. You undress and lie on the exam table, and by you they mean me. Sterile drapes cover you. Numbing anesthetic is injected into your scrotum or lower <laughs> groin. Once this takes effect, one or two punctures are made in the scrotum with a pointed clamp. Each vas deferens is lifted through a puncture. The vas deferens are cut. A section of each may be removed. A pulling sensation may be felt during this process. That's the worst. This is he's once again drawn. Is that the 20 seconds? Because I will tell you right now. I will tell you right now. I had three major experiences in my vasectomy process. One was just the uh showing up part right i show up i'm already nervous i'm excited because i'm, I'm like, nervous right now having this conversation with I'm, you, I'm excited because i'm like hey man the positives of doing this are yes. tremendous they're all the positives all positives afterwards right all so good. many so many things to do now after this process is over all but i show up yes and i have a and i didn't know who my surgeon was turns out oh. it's a an asian female Oh, that's weird. And so I'm like, look, man, she's seen lots of penises and ball sacks mm-hmm. in her day. I mean, this, she does this all the time. You're just another deal. penis and a ball sack I'm, in the I'm lineup. Just, yeah, 100%. I'm just another penis and a ball sack. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But then she's, she's got like a 22-year-old female assistant. Damn. And I'm like, why do I have to show up? 
Do you feel like you showing all up my a little bit? my twig and berries? Yeah. Do you feel like with you a bunch of females up? in the room? All right. Did you feel like? Did you like? Man, I got to chub up a little bit. Or you were just like, nah, this is too much going on right now. I'm not worried there, about chubbing up. There was way too much going on. Okay, good. That was experience one. Just having two females <laughs> working on my twig and berries. Not cool, man. <laughs> okay. Because let's face it, when you're a kid, and you're going to the doctor and you're getting like a, you know, like a full on. Uh, you know, overlook of everything, you know, for sports or whatever you're getting mm-hmm. it done for. The last thing you want is for a female doctor to be grabbing your balls and saying, hey, kid, cough. Right? I was fortunate it's to have scary. A, I was fortunate enough to have a male doctor my entire life until the last two years. And now I have this like Persian lady and she is uh, she's with the shits. She's funny. She gets it. I can go in there and talk shit. Um, I'll just drop my pants right in front of her. I don't give a shit. And she's she's like she's like a <laughs> solid six and a half, Jess. Like she cleans Ooh. up well. Yeah, she cleans up well for a doctor. Um, you know, she's got that Hollywood money. So um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I'll drop try in front of her. It's kind of weird to get a, a chick doctor. But my doctor's a dude, and he's a dude's dude. He's like, um, I think I sent it to you. He's got baseball cards and basketball cards yes. all over yes. his office that are signed. He's a He's an American and he's a dude's dude. Um, it was it was a it was a, a a dream matchup right there. I lucked out because I literally did pin the tail on the donkey with my health insurance, and I said I need to find a free doctor, and I'm hoping he speaks English. I'm looking for a white guy. I'm looking for just an, an American <laughs> name. Sounds fucked up, but it's the truth. I'm be honest with you. Um, and he's got to be free because on my assurance, it's free. And I found him. I just fucking lucked out by the by just the grace of the vasectomy gods. I lucked the vasectomy out. And, gods. Uh, he walked me through it to continue this literature. Just a second Please. of each may be removed. Pulling, uh, pulling sensation may be felt during the process. Mm-mm. The cut ends are sealed by heat. And then it says, God. Cauterized, C-A-U-T-E-R-I-Z-E-D. Cauterized. Um, this may also be tied or clipped. Ooh, the punctures heal naturally without stitches. I had a I had a buddy whose puncture healed incredibly slow, and he was sending me photos of this hole in his <laughs> nuts. Shout out my boy. <laughs> Who listens to this podcast? <laughs> uh, the procedure generally takes about 30 minutes um, after the procedure. If you've had relaxing medications, yes. <laughs> An adult family member or friend must drive you home. The numbness wears off in an hour or so. So he gave me some volume, and uh, I'm going to take that. Should I take an edible before I go in there? Not before. Definitely no? after. That's too heavy, dude. Like, yeah, don't, 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 not before, but definitely <laughs> plug up like a, about, a, about a half hour. I have one in the car. No, I just have it in the car. Just, yeah, the car there you go. That's the move. So, does you have any, any advice for me or, or let's, let's, let's further delve into this? So, real quick, again, to go back, uh, the cauterization, mm-hmm. that's very uncomfortable. Okay. But it's because of the smell. You don't feel anything. I swear to God. I could have swore. I, I he told not, me I'm not going to smell anything. I didn't feel anything, but I smelt it. And that was kind of like the, the ugh, like yeah, feeling I don't of like, like wow, the anxiousness kind of came over me. I was like, holy shit, I can smell myself burning. That's weird. The uncomfortable well, part, yeah, the part that I didn't like 
was what he has in your literature about the pulling or the tugging sensation. This is the 20 seconds of tension. That can you, literally... Can you, <laughs> can you please compare this to a tattoo? No. I would Damn, rather have worse. I would rather have a tattoo of just a black circle. Yeah, right. I was really hoping it, it would be. It feels and I, uh, I look. I don't know if this process because it sounds like it's a little different. Uh, yeah, but it felt like he grabbed my intestines from my oh, ball sack Jesus and was pulling Christ. them down. I felt it in my guts. I'm yeah, that's what my buddy said. My buddy said you can <sighs> feel it in your stomach. In it's not necessarily a pain like. Oh, I got punched in the jaw. It's just a really uncomfortable feeling. And you can feel it. It's like you should never feel your guts moving around like that. And yet you are at that moment. God, this is fucking with me now. (laughs) I'm still doing it. I just, I wanted to do this part of the podcast just so people could hear my live reaction to this whole thing. Best thing about it, though, my friend, is it is literally over. Like, you won't, it's just kind of starts. And then it's done. And then you, you know, you get like a little bandage for your junk. Yeah. They send you out the door. You go home and you tell your, your woman, hey, I'm going to be laid up for a day yeah, or two. I get a break. Which is nice. can, can, you know, I'm just going to be hanging out in the, in the bedroom I'm or on the couch. It. I'm going to milk it. And I'm going to, can you get, can you get me a nice ribeye steak? No, I don't yes. want to eat it. I'm just going to plop it on my, on my junk. <laughs> And I'm just going to keep it there. When it's defrost, yeah, you, get, you know, as long as it's still in the package, you know, he, we'll throw that bad boy in the barbecue and, and cook it up. He gave me this with some hot, some, with some hot links. He gave me this. Um, it's like you roll a towel up, but you put the frozen peas with the there towel. And then there's another thing you're putting under my nuts. It's just, there's a lot. It's, you, it's crazy, too, because you go in and they go... I mean, if you've ever had surgery, you kind of know how it is where you go in and they go, all right, so we're going to do this A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and then they get Z and they go, any questions? And there's, you're still so caught up on A, B, C, D, E, F, G that you just kind of go, no, nah, I'm good. I think I'm good because I'm not going to, you know what I mean? I don't want to fucking stick around and ask a bunch of questions. And uh, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to fucking make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not greatly excited. I'm not gonna lie. It's about it's about the what happens afterwards. Not like it's, that's it's, the exciting you, part. That's the only part that you should concentrate on the entire time. Like keep that, you know, keep that that thought. Like, here's what, the, what's uh, gonna happen later? Like next, what's gonna happen this weekend? It's gonna <laughs> be awesome. So I wanted to do this for the show again for all of our male listeners that are in there. Mid to late thirties, which is a majority of you all, and we thank you for listening. By the way, you have more than two kids. You know, I mean, there's enough motherfucking humans on this planet. Have you been on the freeway lately, guys? Like, it's getting worse. Let's have less people. Let's stop procreating. I mean, let's procreate without the actual procreation. If you're picking up what I'm putting down here, and I like that. Actually, I think it's a good idea. It's a great idea. Here's the last paragraph. When you have a vasectomy, the two vas deferens are cut. This keeps sperm from traveling from the testes to the penis. This is the only change. The testes still make sperm, but because the sperm has nowhere to go, they die and absorb by your body. That's kind of weird. Your prostate it's like natural protein. 
that's I, that's kind of where I want to go with it, right? I got to put a knob, a positive spin on it. Your prostate and seminal vessels are, still produce fluids, so your semen doesn't look or feel any different. Your male hormone level is not affected. Your sex drive, orgasms, and erections are also not affected. My doctor had really unique ways to say you're still going to be able to fuck and you're still going to shoot big loads, which is kind of, which I mean, whatever professional way that he puts it, (laughs) which is not the way that I just put it, which is you're still going to be able to fuck and you're still going to be able to shoot big fat loads on your life. Didn't say it like that. <laughs> we can say whatever the fuck we want. So our I mean, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't. I'm listen. I'm not a fucking PhD, and I don't plan on being on one. So me. But if you were, that's exactly how I'd want you to. Dude, this and the thing is, this doctor's so cool and with it. Like I'm. I mean, anyone that has a signed Grant Hill uh, fucking card on his wall, I'm good with you going up in my nuts. And one last thing, and we're gonna put the bow on this right now, but. At the very end of this, Jess, after this whole conversation, and again, I've never met this doctor before. This is the first conversation conversation I've ever had with them. And we're just kind of chopping it up at the very end. And I'm getting my shit to leave. And he's like, oh, yeah, one more thing before you leave. Just drop your pants. Let me check your nuts really quick. I wanted to see if this is going to – if I can do this here. And I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Just drop these (laughs) pants. And I'm just dropping my pants right before I'm walking out of there. He's like just kind of doing a quick – He's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be easy. I'm like, okay, good news. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> on that way. He's like, okay. I, I love the confident level. The confidence Dude, is there. He's he, like, he oh, goes, man, I got this. He goes, he's like, I do, I do five, I've done 5,000 vasectomies in my career. And he's like, so statistically, I'm way above the 99% just because I've done so many. And then he goes, so the Saturday, which is this upcoming Saturday, Jess, um, he goes, the Saturday we do what's called a vasectathon because a lot of people are off Christmas week. So I just schedule a Saturday and I just do like 15 of these things. I just get in here and just do as many as I can. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's gimmicky. And if it's gimmicky, I'm about it. Just fucking sign me up. I'm, I'm the second person in the vasectathon. He's like the Steph Curry of of vasectomies. He's He's just out there shooting threes all day. He's like, nah, man, give me the ball. He doesn't miss. I got I gotta I gotta break this record, man. Like he's like he's like when they look at the urologist in the hall of fame, I wanna be compared to magic. I really wanna be the next (laughs) level of you know, all around urologist that handed out vasectomies. And the only way for me to do it is just uh, you know, I just got to get, I got to hit more threes. I got to shoot more baskets. I got to just keep putting them up and just keep safe, safely, safely protecting people's nuts. So um, I'm excited, Jess. We spent a good 18 minutes on this. Shout out to our people that listen to the show for this type of content. I've had people complain that we've been doing sports only. And so uh, if you've been looking for just the random content, there you go. There you go. That's, and this isn't just random comments. This, this, this is, is real life shit here. This healthy. is real life folks. And we are also looking out, again, like Jay mentioned, for the health of the nation, folks. Yeah, we are literally world. trying to let you know the it world. is okay to simply have sex without procreating. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, we can we can do that, folks. Especially for you folks who have a couple kids already. Yeah. Maybe you maybe you give a strong thought to you know, do we really need another mouth in this world, mm-hmm. or can I just simply have sex with my wife or and my girlfriend it. or my loved one or whatever? If you've been thinking about doing it, right? Because in our chat. We mentioned it, and the the other person in our chat, which is pretty easy to figure out if you've listened to the show long enough, went, "Hey, I'm actually kind of kicking the can on it. Maybe I'm gonna get in." So, if we can encourage you, or if you've listened to this and went, "You know what? I think now after hearing about the 20 seconds of discomfort, I'm not ready yet." That's okay. If you want to hit us in the old DM at Team Toss 21, we're here for you. We're all about positivity, like Jess said. This is what the show has reached now. We, we love you, and we want to make sure that uh, you get in and get out safely. Because that's the best way. Let's be safe, folks. Let's make smart decisions. That, let's make smart decisions Please. with uh, you know moving forward in this world. Because if not, I mean, listen, Lord knows, the, the clock may be ticking here. Have you heard about this global warning? I don't know if you believe it or not. Who fucking knows? Uh, Jess, UFC 269, that happened. Should we discuss it? Uh, that just didn't happen. It happened and exploded the world of MMA. I believe that this was one of the most active cards I've seen in a very long time. Did we have it, a chaos in combat sports moment? Uh, I think that we had more than a chaos in combat sports moment. Uh, I mean, the entire card, like if you look at the card, I was looking at it. And if you look real hard... It's very difficult to find a higher percentage of finishes in one card from top to bottom, mm-hmm. okay, or bottom to top, however you however you prefer it. Uh, then, <laughs> Time uh, <to> get there. <laughs> then, uh, then this card, UFC 269, provided not just one, not just two, but a shit ton of finishes. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, folks, when you're a combat sports fan. You're not living to see a great fight that finishes in the decision, okay? Like, yeah, you like it. Yeah, the fight may have been exciting. But when you get that submission or you get that knockout or at least a TKO, you just feel better about that fight. You, you, have, wanna, the, you, you, you have the one person that legitimately won that fight. You want closure or you want to be able to go, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued Let's see a rematch, and here's why. So that's kind of what we want with combat sports. But we love on this show chaos in combat sports. I think it's what truly fuels the sport when you get these, not not just enormous upsets, but moments that shift the sport, that where the conversation, the narrative shifts. And it's so funny because, you know, the, the specific moment we're talking about is clearly the Nunez fight. Yes. And when we were discussing Nunez last week, we really spent no time on Pena and all the time on what what should Nunez be doing moving forward? What's the next trajectory for her career? Because it ain't MMA anymore. She's seen it all. She's done it all. She's been to the top. After this fight, what is she going to do next? You know, she's going to do movies. Who fucking knows? Now that whole narrative has shifted. Um, quickly with the prelims, Jess. I, um, that I was just about to suggest that. The comedy oh, starting some pre in the, in the real pre- the real comedy, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. I know Tui Tuivasa is a fun fighter to watch, and it's dope when he does the shoeies and he has a, a, just a highlight reel worth of cool knockouts. 
but he's truly always going to be that fringe top 10 heavyweight. And the funny thing about heavyweights is again, it can always change. You might be, you might go from top 10 to top five because you knock out a guy that's somewhere in six to 10, but, but I'm not really interested in seeing the two E or, or the two of us stuff. The Dominic Cruz stuff was interesting to me, not necessarily what was going on in the cage with him, but what was going on outside of the cage, the cheese met portion where he gets on a mic and criticizes with constructive criticism on Daniel Cormier. I <laughs> tweeted it out and said, Daniel Cormier's reaction is probably going to be giggling and not giving a shit, which was his reaction pretty much verbatim him giggling and not giving a shit then there was some weird and i know you saw this jess before the fights like a sit down between Cruz and dc and bisping was in the middle and at some point within these two minutes you see dominic Cruz have that moment of clarity where he realizes oh neither of these two fucking guys are taking me seriously <laughs> but that's why we love Dominic Cruz, right? When he does the play-by-play, we like Dominic Cruz because of his serious analysis and his ability to be able to be the guy that calls a fight like that, you know, the guy that's able to give you that great intel. That's not what DC's good at. DC's no. look is good at looking at a fight and going, this guy's doing this right, this guy's doing this wrong. And and also DC is a in-the-moment type dude. He's a fan, which is what we love. We're all fans of the sport. You don't get that out of Cruz. You don't get that excitement moment out of Cruz because he's a professional, which is cool. Um, Jess, jump in here really quick. Give me some Give me some thoughts on this. I was just about to say that exact same thing, actually. Uh, <laughs> the difference between Dominic Cruz and even a Michael Bisping. Bisping actually is really good at play-by-play, I think mm-hmm. so. Um, but you see at times uh, Bisping and Cormier – you can see them fan out a yep. lot, just absolutely go buck wild for like one of their guys or the guy that they like the most in the fight. And then it, it tends to draw away the, uh, the technicality of what's happening and what they're supposed to be portraying to us through our mm-hmm. TV sets. Mm-hmm. Into, which is professionalism. Which is professionalism. Which right? then you don't get into, that from you don't get that from Al Bernstein. You never got that from Jim Lampley. You never got that from Larry Merchant. You'll never get you, you don't get that. And I understand that. Yes. And and, and again, I, I'm not disagreeing with the their style because I love hearing Bisping call fights and I very much enjoy DC calling fights. But one thing that I've gotten used to. Uh, that I didn't actually think I was going to is listening to Tony Romo call football games. Mm. Tony Romo, when you sit down, you can definitely hear in his voice that he knows or he thinks that one team is going to beat another team, but he does a good job of calling both sides of, of, of the game. And he does it with a very technical and professional manner. And he does it with the fact that he's got like 12 years of NFL quarterbacking experience. And he brings that to the booth. And that's something that you always hear when somebody gets hired. Oh, he's bringing this experience to the booth. Well, Tony Romo actually does. Tony Romo will actually call a play before the play gets set and snapped. That's the professionalism that I want to see. That's what Dominic Cruz brings to the booth when he's calling a mixed martial arts fight he can see something happen before it's about to happen he's always two to three chest steps away or in front of 
the actual fighters that are fighting in the cage. And that's what I really love about Dominic Cruz. I think is, that I think Bisping's uh, right in the middle. I mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but I no, think Bisping okay. is right in the middle. He can have fun and call the fight the same way DC can, where he goes, we're 20, 30 seconds into this fight, and I can see this, I can see this, I can see this. This is what he's doing with his feet. This is what he's looking for. Um, he can be, he can give you that analysis, but he can also do the little bit of studying and also sound professional when he wants that, when he needs to sound professional. But as you mentioned here, he also has that moment of excitement and that moment of, Hey man, I'm still a fan. I'm still a fan of watching people fucking fight. And I'm going to, I've been excited. Someone gets knocked out. I'm going to get excited. And it's difficult for me to have, uh, to mask that. And you get that out of Romo. You still get that out of Romo when you go, Man, Romo just likes football. Whether I like him or not as a quarterback, whether he beat my team or whether he was my team's quarterback, he just loves football. And the tripped out thing, and, and now we're now we're, dig, we're deep diving this, we're rabbit holing this, <laughs> is when I listen to Greg Olson, I don't recognize him as Greg Olson until they show him in the booth and I go, <laughs> so that to me is always surprising. Um, can you hear me just because I had a yeah. call off? Okay, perfect. Yeah, I got you. Um, I'm a bigger fan of uh, Romo, of course. I'm a bigger fan of DC. I'm a bigger fan of that style. I'm not saying one style is better than the other. No, 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 not at all. And and I think again to kind of circle back and bring it back around. I think that it, it's unfortunate for Dominic this week that no one's talking about him winning his fight at this age and how you know impressive it is. Um, and that he's one of the last. Of the, of the WEC guy, WEC. We're him and, what is and the comeback from having all those blown out knees. I mean, we can keep going. They're talking about his tit for tat with uh, DC. That that's what they're talking about. But it is what it is, right? That's that's kind. That's of, an MMA Twitter uh, algorithm, possibly. Which is something that you're only going to get in this sport. You won't get that tit for tat in the NFL world or the NBA world or the the Major League Baseball world because. Those guys are on a different type of professional level, and I don't think that they're necessarily allowed the uh, the opportunity to fan out as much as what you can when you're, you know, you're a former fighter. And Jay, you've said it for years, and and we've preached it to everybody to be a professional mixed martial artist or combat sports athlete. You're wired different than everybody else. You're wired different than that linebacker. You're wired differently than that point guard. You're wired differently than you and I. Uh, you get into a cage, lock the lock the door behind you, and fight until there's one man la- left standing or woman, and that's that's different. So I, I expect these guys to get fired up over knockouts, or I expect them to get fired up over uh, a slick submission. Uh, Dominic Cruz just happens to be that guy who, I mean, let's face it, man, he was that he's the same as a fighter as he is a, a broadcast analyst. He's very technical. He's very uh, just under the radar as far as like he doesn't really get overly excited about anything. Uh, you know, he wins, he loses. It's not really a big deal. He doesn't show it on his face. Uh, and that's how he is in the booth. And uh, what we should be talking about is this. Uh, that dude straight got knocked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Knocked the fuck out. He was out, folks. Dominic Cruz was out. And somehow, with the referee giving him that little bit of extra space, and I don't want to say that the ref was like, oh, shit, like, I better, like, hands off this fight. 
he he didn't give Cruz a ton of time, but the 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 comeback time, the, the comeback to reality time that Dominic Cruz had was absolutely amazing. And to come back, get back to his feet, and stand there and still be able to duck a couple punches that were coming at him, absolutely amazing. I love that. It was I thought it was a tremendous fight. He gets caught nasty with a straight right hand, and it's got and a left hook that drops him nasty. It's so crazy to watch him get beat up. And even though he won that fight, and uh, the Cody thing, and ooh Garbrandt, yeah, that and was, it's, uh, and, that it's, was and, we'll, and we'll jump into that right now. But it's crazy because I'm looking at that. I'm looking at Dominic Cruz's record, and they had that fight five fucking years ago. That fight was fucking five years ago. That's how, that shows you how long ago uh, Dominic's dominance was, and also kind of how his knees failed him. Um, Sean O'Malley versus Pavia. I want to rifle through some of these. Um, yeah, Sean, O'Malley, Sean O'Malley looked great. Um, this is a Sean O'Malley we all expected to see at some point, and now we saw it. Um, give me some quick thoughts on this fight, Jess. Uh, I know that uh, there was a couple of uh, former maybe teammates or something of, of, of Pavia that uh, spoke out and said, hey, uh, this guy's a, a legit fighter, and Sean O'Malley just beat him. So that makes Sean O'Malley just as legit. Um, the fact is, is that I don't know this guy very well. I know he's got a, a, a nice record. Uh, I don't know where all of his fights have been. I don't know who he's beaten in the UFC. Sean O'Malley, I still think, is getting medium to average cans. And I'm not, I, I hate to do that because I don't really know this guy, Pavia. But I do believe that Sean O'Malley is good enough to jump into that top 15 to 10 range and start fighting some of these guys. And I, I know that uh, O'Malley made some comments. Uh, it went super live on in hot on Twitter about, well, I don't want to be thrown into the top 10 guys unless you're going to pay me like a top 10 guy. I can understand that, too, because we say it on the show all the time. They're, they're, they're prize fighters. They're mm-hmm. fighting for belts, and they're fighting for money or one or the other. So if Sean O'Malley, you know, is expecting like, hey, you know, like I'm going to go after this belt, He's going to want to get paid like a dude who's going after a championship. So I totally get that. And, and uh, O'Malley's a very talented guy. I don't want to take anything away from him. Uh, super slick, uh, striking, and uh, he's got some submissions and stuff to go along with that. Very well-rounded guy. I personally just want to see him fight somewhere in that top 15 to 10 range. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, I think he's right. You know, the the – he should be fighting somebody in the top 10. I don't know if he should be fighting anyone in the top five, but that no, 10, no, no, not nine, yet. eight range. Um, you're right about the prize fighting thing. Bottom line, he moves the needle. I mean, when you get a needle mover, you know, you may not have to pay him a million dollars or show on a million dollars to win, but when you get a needle mover, you got to, they got to fight. Bottom line. So I'm interested in seeing what they do with them. We'll see here, you know, sooner than later. I'm guessing because I, I know he mentioned, oh, I'm banged up here, or I'm banged up there, but I, I do think he fights sooner than later. Um, Kai Kara France knocks Ooh. out Cody Garbrandt. Interesting fight, some give and go, but Kai Kara France wins. You have any thoughts on this one? Well, I think we both picked uh, Cara France to win this fight. I don't believe that either of us went Garbrandt. I personally don't like Cody Garbrandt at 125. I think that he loses his strength, and uh, I think that that's a big thing. I, I think that if you are a smaller fighter already, but you hold that pop in your glove over some of the other guys that you're going to be fighting, you got to stay where, where that, that pop belongs. That pop belongs in 135. And 125, I think, is just it, – it's a huge weight cut. Um, and uh, Kaikar France 
it, we, we mentioned on the show, we've now talked about this guy a few times. He, he's a killer, man. Mm-hmm. This, guy, this guy comes after your throat. This guy is not – He's this Kai Car France is not someone to be, be toyed with, okay? In the MMA world, this guy has to be starting to, started to be taken seriously. I think this was the fight where they went, okay, this is the make-or-break fight, right? We're going to throw you to the wolves, if you will. If Cody wins this fight, it's a, it's a look. He's sensational, and he knocked out a, you yeah. know, a top-tier guy at this division. Um, he did not get knocked out. Um, I'm interested in seeing what they do with Kai Car France. He's clearly got a ton of pop in those gloves. Um, and he took Cody's best punch. Cody did land some strikes here, uh, and he was able to survive. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jeff Neal versus Santiago Portas the BBBBO. Um, this fight was kind of boring, to be honest with you. I thought Santiago won. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this fight, Jess? I have nothing but to but to just say that I agree with you. I thought that this fight was fairly boring, and that Ponzinibbio should have won the fight. I I thought he did enough. Yeah, I, yeah, it's tricky though. Um, he got hit with a lot of straight punches though. I just don't think he can get with that many straight punches and win a fight. And Neil does that thing where when he does throw, um, he's impressive as hell, but it's just not enough. Um, we're here. We're here at the big Let's soccer. talk about it. Um, Juliana Pena versus Nunez. I have a ton of thoughts on this fight, but I'm gonna go ahead and, and open it up to you, Jess. Give me your initial <laughs> thoughts on this. Um, well, besides the fact that we both basically shit on Pena uh, last week on last week's podcast, which I, I don't feel bad about because I'm guessing like 90% of all podcasts probably did. So I'm not gonna feel bad because I know you guys aren't gonna feel bad. So <laughs> This was a this was a fantastic fight, and we had talked earlier on the podcast uh, about what does Nunez do now? You know, after this fight, where does she go? Pro wrestling, you know, does she uh, start a UFC, you know, women's Brazil gym or something? Does she go into acting? Uh, does she, you know, what does she get herself into? Does she go into broadcast? You know, broadcasting? Does she go into analyst uh, work? What does she do? She's done everything. She's been the damn champion uh, since 2016. Like, what else is left for her to do? Well, I didn't expect the only thing left for her to do was to lose. Mm. <laughs> She's getting and, knocked out. Just to look and, terrible. And so it happened. And I, I feel like Nunez could have finished that fight in the first round. I really do. I feel like, I feel like she was in control of the striking. There was a couple times... Uh, she had knocked Pena around pretty good, and uh, obviously Pena's face was blown up big after that first round. I thought that Nunez not necessarily took her lightly, but was just thinking, fuck it, man. I'm just going to run through the motions, win this fight, and just move on and, and do something you know, with the rest of my life. I don't think that she realized by allowing Pena to stay in the fight that long that anything bad could happen to her. And that's just the mindset of a champion. You don't go into a fight thinking, fuck, man, I might lose this fight. You go into this fight going, yeah, I'm going to win. What's next? And, uh, you know, she got peppered. Pena got peppered. Eventually, Pena got uh, Nunez to the ground. That's where the uh, submission came in. And I think that overall, in my opinion, this loss or Pena's win is the biggest upset in – MMA history. So I think this I, is, I think it's, it's up there. I think it's up there. Five. I don't, I think top three. <laughs> I think it's up there. I think that we fall into victim of the moment, right? We just, we always do that. Yeah. Um, I think that I'd have to, to see what everybody's four or five is before I'd go, yeah. I know, I, 
I know Sarah over GSP. Is I think go. that's up there. That's gonna be up there. I think I think Gonzaga over Crow Crop is up Ooh, there. That's a big one. I think Randleman over Crow Crop, but that's not a UFC fight. Um, if we're just sticking it with the UFC specifically, um, I think BJ beating Matt Hughes was kind of a big deal when it was at the moment. Seventy. Yeah. Um, I think Couture did. I think was Brock a big underdog against Randy? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would guess. Was Brock, Brock a, a big underdog big against underdog. Mir the second time? I mean, we're just, I mean, we're if we're doing like the ten to ones or the fifteen to ones, or we just do statistically the Vegas shit, then yeah, it's it's enormous. So, I watched this fight twice. Um, I wanted to watch it with the sound off because there's a really weird moment in the first round, and I think it's midway where my eye was catching. Oh, Juliana's not going anywhere, and she's not afraid of Nunes. And it seemed to me like the broadcasters took another minute or minute and a half before they really picked up on it, or if they just were, they didn't want to voice anything without looking, you know, foolish. But um, Juliana did the same thing to Nunes that Nunes did to Cyborg, which is she got right up in the bully's face and exchanged punches from the jump. Um, if you look back at that Cyborg Nunez first fight, they came right out and threw jab overhand rights, jab overhand rights. And that's exactly the same thing that Pena did. Now, people want to say, well, Pena throws an ugly right hand. It's just not as pretty as Nunez. But it's it's effective as fuck. Every right hand that she was throwing was either grazing her at the temple or the back of the ear. She was punching Nunez in that area where people get concussed. You know, that 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 area where people used to complain that Chuck Liddell would punch him in. Where he, you know, where it's a thing where you're just, she's just swinging. She doesn't give a fuck where she's landing. Um, the George Foreman, if you will, right? I don't care if I'm punching at your chest. I'm just going to fucking punch you. It's going to hurt. Um, it was clear to me midway through that first round that she was not afraid, that she was willing to bite down on her mouthpiece. And I don't know if it was a bully type scenario where it's all of the things that have been mentioned by you, by social media. She's so busy. She's a mother now. She has all these obligations. She has things that are filling her plate. And maybe she just didn't straight up train the way that she was training two years ago, right? People always talk about this with champions, right? You lose the hunger. And maybe the hunger wasn't there when she's training. Or or like you said, just like everyone's saying, maybe it's just she just didn't take this fight seriously. And this is what happens when you're a champion, right? People are tr- people aren't always going to be intimidated by you. People aren't always going to bow down when you get hit one time. And uh, she was, what's going on with my TV all of a sudden, or my computer all of a sudden has decided to give me volume. It's ghosts. I, I, yes, listen, fucking Chevron, a random Chevron commercial because I was watching uh, Cruz get dropped by that dude twice. So <laughs> uh, anyway, my point is on, on this this section of this fight is I, I think that, Pena should be celebrated because she did the same thing that Nunez did to Cyborg. Now, will she be able to do it again? Shit, I don't know, but I want to see. But the fact is that the great thing about combat sports, and this is what I was saying, and if you've heard me talk on this podcast before, it's the chaos of it. It's the what we love about it, right? It's the any given Sunday type part 
of combat sports is what happens when they get in there and anyone can land a punch, right? A puncher's chance type thing. All those, you know, those cliches that you hear, they, they kind of came to life. And I'm interested in seeing what happens with Nunez. We've had a few days to, to let it rest. And, and for a few days, I was thinking, you know, maybe she's done. Maybe she, she's not going to fight. I know she came out today and said, you know what? I want that rematch. The rematch is going to be interesting, Jesse, because she has to win definitively within a minute or two for the naysayers, for the critics to say, well, there is no reason for a third fight because she won the second fight so definitively. But I, I don't know if that happens because stylistically, Pena's a dog. She's a motherfucker. And, and I'm going to go and say that even if there's, unless it's a flash, like, 35-second knockout, if it goes to the end of round one, if it goes to the middle of round two, I still think that there ends up being a third because Pena can come back and her team can go and be like, hey, look, we finished the champ champ early round two, okay? Mm-hmm. We, we weren't messing her up. We went in there. We beat her up. We submitted her. We didn't just win a decision. We didn't just steal the belt. This is a one-sided we, we fight. We took the belt from her. So then Nunez's team can come back and say, well, we definitively beat the champ and took the belt back. Well, now yep. Pena's team can come back and say, because of how we beat them, because of how she just beat us, I think that there has to be a third fight. If there's, and, a, if it's competitive, if it's if competitive it's at all, even if she not, even if Nunez knocks her out in two rounds, if it's competitive, still a three, still a third trilogy, trilogy. a third trilogy. Fight. Yep, you got to do it. And that's we've we've seen worst trilogies happen. Okay, <laughs> and I think that, like Jay's saying, as long as it's competitive, even if it ends in a, in a finish, I still say that there's no doubt in Dana's mind that he can still make some money and push a, a trilogy fight and make it super exciting for the fans. But I, now, but now here is re- where it gets really unique. And now we can really do the trickle down effect because now the crown has some rust on it right now where Nunez's place on the mantle of MMA greatness and history and lore it's changed because she's been knocked out, and this isn't a. And this is how combat sports works. And unfortunately, is you're only as good as your last fight. And you know, there, I, fuck, what was it? Two weeks ago or a month ago, people were doing your Mount Rushmore of MMA. And so many people were saying you got to put Nunez in better head of Ronda. Got to put Nunez ahead of Ronda. And now, I'm not saying that changes. But again, I, I think this really does put that, I don't know if you say, it just really does put that moment, that, that, that check on her career where you go, yeah, but this happened. Yeah, she's one of the greats of all time. Yeah, we know in combat sports you fight the best all the time and you lose because it happens. But this happened. And I, I, I don't know if I could look at her in the same vein that I would, like, let's say Anderson Silva. I just can't. I can't. I don't know if I look at her in the same vein as I do a Bones Jones. And maybe maybe that's a bad argument. And I'm sure some people could come back and say, well, you know, she is still a two-time champ. She is still this. She still had this, this three-year reign of just destroying everybody. And you're right. But, you know, maybe I'm playing victim of the moment right now. 
But I think this is an incredible career shift. And, and I think now with this second fight, which is going to happen, and possibly a trilogy, this changes, this shifts the narrative of, if you will, of what's going on with, uh, with Nunez. And, uh, and, and I, like th- I like that argument, actually. And I will, I will go and I will try to, to top that with the Khabib argument. People, uh, they like to shit on Khabib's record. They say, hey, look, man, some of these, some of these goats have 30 fights under their belt. Khabib's fought like what? Maybe 20 times. He's got no, and, he's got like 35, so there's only like 18 in the in the UFC. It's a exactly. weird it's so, like 20. It's a weird number in the UFC. So the 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 argument is he can't be the GOAT because he just, you know, he hasn't done enough. He hasn't fought enough people, he hasn't defended the belt enough. He's not a GSP, he's not a you know, he's not a Bones Jones. He doesn't have that that reputation, he doesn't have that that record. Well, here's the thing about somebody I saw tweeted out. Well, Khabib fought, retired, undefeated, but it doesn't go to show what he could have done like some of these other champions in the past. Well, now we're looking at Amanda Nunez. We're saying, hey, she was she was the go. Everybody talked about it. She's the go, greatest of all time. Mount Rushmore. Uh, we had this again. We we talked about this on Twitter. People are giving us their Mount Rushmore of MMA. A lot of people had her on it. Well. The thing is, is Khabib, maybe he's the smart one. Maybe he was like, you know what? Fuck even thinking about taking a loss. What if I have a bad day? I go in there, I, I lose. I get smashed out. I get submitted. I, I Some bum beats me. I'm not mm-hmm. having that happen. Some bum. I'm leaving on top. I'm not getting beat by no bum. I'm not getting beat by no bum. And you know that Khabib thinks everybody in the UFC is a bum. I mean, let's just face it. He does. Uh, he left out on top. No losses there. Undefeated, took his championship belt home with him. Said, "Everybody, good night." Nunez continued to fight. That's what fighters do. But sometimes you you come across that that pathway in your in your career where you got to think, well, do I give it up now or do I keep going? And we've seen a lot of fighters keep going when they really shouldn't have. I think, and they, and they end up with those losses, just like I, you were talking about. You're I think only that, as good as I, your last fight. I'm a, I like I love the Randy Couture argument. Which is Randy Couture has a shitty record, but he has a shitty record because he took so many risks and he fought guys at heavyweight and he fought guys that were out of his uh, weight class and he took fights on short notice and he, and he he did all these things right. So I've always been a fan. I'm more of a fan of that. I'm more of a fan of. Um, looking at the, to- the totality of somebody's record, and I'm not. And again, I don't want to knock Amanda here, um, because I think Amanda is one of the greats of all time. Yes. And all the shit I was talking last week hasn't changed. I still think she's one of the best ambassadors for women's mixed martial arts. And I think at some point she's still going to be that person. And if she wanted to do it now, if she said, "Hey, man, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going out with a loss." but I'm going to be the ambassador for for women's mixed martial arts and I'm going to go do television shows and I'm going to do these UFC promotions and I'm going to do all this cool stuff in Brazil. You may not see me in America, but I'm doing shit. I'm, 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 I'm getting paid to not get punched in the fucking face, which is ultimately what it's about. Right. Um, 
I think she can still do that. Now, again, if she if she chooses so to do so, and that it seems like she's not, that's a whole other story. I do want to see these girls fight again. And I think, what if, Jess, let's throw out a what if here. What if Pena wins this next fight? Even if it isn't definitively, right? Let's say she wins a, a decision 3-2, uh, you know, on a mixed scorecard. Um, does that necessarily taint Nunez's career? Or do you just kind of go, eh, that's mixed martial arts and most people don't go out on top? Well, I, I'm a firm believer that I don't think anybody goes out on top. I mean, mm-hmm. my argument for Khabib is that he that was his thought process. I'm going to go is out on enough? top. But, but that's the key. Did he really? Could he have or should he have continued to fight and prove his dominance, prove his, his greatness, prove his, 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 uh, his face on the Mount Rushmore of MMA, if, if, if it even belongs there? We don't know. And we th- you and I talked about this on a, a two or three podcasts ago. Uh, we won't know where Khabib really belongs because he called it quits. He, he did his own thing. But Amanda Nunez, this loss, I don't believe, hurts her her record. It doesn't hurt anything. I, I don't think that the way that people should view her, I don't think, changes through this loss. If anything, it makes Julia Pena, uh, Juliana Pena, so much uh, higher in, in people's respect and where they hold her. And for Nunez, I think it goes back to this whole like, well, damn, like, let's see how the champ can recover. Let's see what she does mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. And so if can she pick herself up off the mat? And that's the Rocky Balboa that we always want to see. We want to see, you know, it's not it's not about how hard you get, but but, you know, how you pull yourself back up. Right. That's so the, that's the mentality that we want to see in our in our champions here's the, and former champions. Here's the here's the pro wrestling connection that we've taken almost an hour to make, which is you root for her to lose like a heel because of her dominance, almost like a Roman reigns. And now that she's lost, you want to cheer for the comeback, almost like a hangman Adam Page, right? Where you go, I, I want to see, I want to see him win. I want to see them overcome the obstacles. I know they've lost, but I know they're good enough. And if they, you know, do everything right, I know they can be the best in the sport. So, do we get, do we get a scenario like that? Only time will tell. Um, I think that is the intrigue there. And I, and again, ultimately I, I I'm, I'm interested in seeing what they do, but uh, just bottom line, it doesn't matter who it is these days, right? It, whether it's a Uriah Faber, whether it is a Matt Hughes, a BJ Penn, a George St. Pierre, uh, all these guys, George St. Pierre might've won out with two wins at the, or how many ever wins at the end of his career. Everybody remembers uh, that what was it? That the master. But everyone's gonna remember that last fight it was the Johnny the Johnny Hendricks fight where everybody thought he might have lost that. Fight. Oh yes, yes, right. Yes, Everyone, yes. But not only that, but the absolute fucking beating he took in that fight where we all went, man, we ain't used to seeing GSP get beat up like that. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? And the and the man, fact that and back when that fight was going on, I I know that this is super rabbit trail, but I'm just gonna mm-hmm. tell you, man, I don't think that Johnny Hendricks even belonged in the same arena as George St. Pierre. We didn't and, none of us and, did. And, and somehow Hendricks put the biggest beatings 
that I've ever seen uh, George St. Pierre take. Like just huge meetings. So again, we look at we look at all these greats, and at some point you go, there there are not many outliers. There aren't many Aldos. There aren't many of these guys that have just been able to go, man, you know what? Fuck. They ended up having a lot more wins than they did losses, and their losses were either at the tail end of their career. Or just incredible matchups where they were taking risk by going up in weight or taking fights on short notice and shit like that. Uh, again, the grades are great. And we always talk about this when we do this show as well. At some point when they do write that true history of combat sports, combat sports is still so much in an infancy now that when they write this record book, they're going to look at these fighters in 20 or 30 years the same way that we look at fucking uh, is it Franco Harris and uh, Mean Joe Green and guys like that. We go like, yeah, those guys were tough, but I mean, they would get fucked up by a, Mark, by a Micah Parsons now. They get fucked up by, by these guys. Like, it's just the evolution of the sport, if you will. Um, Jesse, Oliver Poirier, we're spending a lot of time on this card and it's all good because we're having fun. But uh, Oliver Poirier, uh, you know, we won't spend a ton of time on your wrong pick here, but you picked wrong. <laughs> I picked right. You did. I had a feeling if this fight hit the mat, if it if it if it really got into the grappling portion of it, that Oliveira would have a big leg up. Uh, the first round was a really fun fight exchange, just a fiery first fucking round. Where I think Poirier even won that first round. Second round, absolute different fight. Oliveira got this fight to the mat and just dominated for a minute, two minutes, three minutes on the mat. There came a point, and shout out to the, the the announce team for calling it out, where you could tell Poirier just was not going to get off of his back, whether it was fear of making a mistake because he knew Oliveira was such a good submission artist, or fear of or just fear of anything, just or just not being able to. He just was pinned and it got messy um and then of course Oliveira hops on that back real quick in the third round after the second round in my opinion he just kind of looked deflated um it, it it reminded me of Jan versus Texera and I want to make sure I get the comparison in here where Jan got up off that mat after getting dominated by Texera and he just it, he just wasn't the same cat um and you know and Glover was able to finish him this is I mean not the same type of finish but you know, Dustin wasn't the same cat in that third round. And Charles easily took his back standing even. Um, give me some thoughts on this fight, Jess. Yeah, uh, super exciting fight. I think, I think um, you know, it, it had the makings of fight of the year. If, <laughs> you know what I mean? As far as uh, just the, the excitement level, the energy level, the activity level, the entire fight. I know it only went to three rounds. But um, first round, I thought... Uh, Dustin landed the harder shots, got mm -hmm. a couple knockdowns. I think that uh, Oliveira um, was trying to uh, assert the fact that he can he can also box. Yep, but not this at the he level. Does. He's just not at the level of Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier he loves the tremendous. Trade. Dustin's a tremendous kickboxer and with slick, slick punching skills. His striking is so good and crisp. Boxing's amazing. Boxing is so good. Uh, His boxing Oliveira. for MMA is amazing, and 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 not yes, to not for... to hop in there, not to cut you off again, but y you're right. And and Charles tends to do this in fights, and I think it's cost him wins. Is he goes, I'm a I'm a great stand up fighter too. Watch this, and then he's been dropped and finished. Yes. And he almost got dropped and finished versus Chandler. If you look back at when he won the belt, um, go ahead, Justin. 
No, um, I, I, I fully agree with you. Everything that you just said. Uh, I think that um, Oliveira just tried to, to show people. He tried to show the world. And mostly he tried to show Dustin, hey, buddy, I can hang with you on the feet. So, you know, you can come throw punches all you want. So you can throw kicks, but I'm, I'm still standing. Um, he did get knocked down once, maybe twice. I can't remember if it was twice. I believe it was just one time in the first round. It was uh, it was one legit one. Where he got but it was it was very nasty. legit. There and, was, then was, kinda, and then he was kind of and then he was kind of he was ragdolling him for a second. Like you could tell, he was kind of on queer street a little. It, bit. it was, was it was a it was a really good combination thrown yep. by Dustin that that really two pieced him up and, and put put him uh, put uh, over on his knees. Um, after that though, the second round happens. Now I believe it was it's probably a 10-9 Dustin first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, second round, I thought it was different. I th- I thought that Dustin came out very lethargic, hmm. still throwing in decent volume, but not the volume and definitely not with the, with the precision that mm-hmm. he was throwing in the first matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say that maybe conditioning played a part in the second round. I believe that Dustin slowed down tremendously. Oliveira seemed to pick up speed and you can see that because most of that second round was just Charles Oliveira throwing punches back and forth, trading spots with Dustin, in which case I felt Charles Oliveira outpunched and outboxed Dustin Poirier in that second round. So much so that on a scale, I could even argue that it was a 10-8 second round for Charles. I agree. It was it was. As close to a beatdown that I've seen Dustin take in quite some time. He just pinned him to the mat and just kept dropping elbows and was doing the Tito Ortiz f- fucking palm on your forehead that turns into a quick spin elbow. Um, and then he was doing almost like a 12-6. Like he was just fucking Dustin up. But as far as the deflation, you could see it probably midway through the second round. You could see Dustin just losing steam. When Oliveira took him down, and there was that, that I believe that that was the end of the second round, was just Oliveira just dropping short elbows, short forearms. I mean, it was the entire round, if you ask me. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was pure dominance in every form. Like, he, he, just Charles Oliveira was just laying on top of him. I, don't, I mean, his, I know that he's got good top game, don't get me wrong. But Dustin didn't even look like he could try to get up. He looked, he looked leagues above him. And then the third round happened, and then that's when Olvera basically he probably went back to his corner, and his corner said, "Hey, look, you can keep trading with this guy all you want to, but if you take him down, this fight's done." Yeah. And and, and, and I don't know, maybe that's what his corner said. That's what I would have told him if I was his corner man, and that's exactly what he did. He went in there, he got the fight to the ground, and Dustin had nothing left. And 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 don't get me wrong, I'm not like saying this in a very negative way. But when you're held down for an entire five minutes and just beat the fucking yeah, death, demoralizing. It, it, it's demoralizing. It takes your physical breath away. You are tired because you're constantly trying to move. You're mm. trying to get up. You're trying to squirm out. And then when you take a breath, you're getting dropped elbows on your face. It, it, it was just a really bad spot for Dustin to be in. It's and then just the third, round came, third round came. That's when the finish happened. It was surprising to me. I felt that Dustin was going to make it a stand-up fight the entire time. I think that he tried. Charles got smart. Game plan, game plan, game plan. Ended up getting the fight uh, to the ground and, and winning. And I, th- I think that this fight, probably the biggest win of his career. Because it, it really showed 
how well-rounded and tough. You can we can say guys are well-rounded, but Oliveira took some serious shots. He was knocked down yeah. probably three times in that fight. Managed to keep his head on straight, continue with the game plan, move forward, trade punches, get the the, the fight to the ground, and win the fight. I think that this fight was his his. It could be his peak. Because I think that it showed all all aspects of what you want to see in a champion, all in that fight. I think it's a definitive performance, right? It's the definitive championship performance that you want. And I mean the 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 um, the knees to the body he was throwing, the 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 body attacks he was throwing was incredible. And as I mentioned, I think that he really believes I can stand and trade with anybody, including Dustin Poirier. I don't care how hard he hits. Um, and I, for the most part, he did, you know, it almost cost him the fight. He got dropped. As you mentioned, he got dropped, I would say two times, um, one risk. legitimately bad. I mean, was bad. Um, and he was, again, he, he was pretty rocked, but championship type form composed himself, got that back. And the third round again, Dustin seemed deflated, was able to get the back easily. Anytime you get somebody on a standing back to me, that that and again, I'm not saying Dustin's mentally weak by any means or anything no, like that. But, but it just seemed to me like almost like he, it was too easy. Like I'm not saying he was giving his back up and looking for a way out, but um, credit to Charles for just being so good and having that spider monkey Brazilian jiu-jitsu style of mentality and, and skill set where he could do it so seamlessly and so effortlessly where I look at it and go, damn, what's what's Dustin doing? That fight better do something. Um I don't know what they do. I don't know what's ahead for Charles. I mentioned this on the um, on the Twitter, and I want to mention it here quickly. What's Dustin's hurry to fight? This guy just made a shitload of money in his last three fights. I would bet, and I feel like I'm lowballing it, he probably made around $10 million within his last three fights, if not more. That might be a lowball number. Someone might be listening to this and go, shit, double that. It's probably closer to 15 or 20 Okay, so then what the fuck is his rush to come back to the cage and fight? He just had his title shot. He clearly isn't going to be able to beat the champion. I don't think anything changes in a rematch unless he's able to knock Charles out, which I don't think would happen because I think Charles would be a little bit more dominant the second time around. Um, I don't know what he does, and I don't know what the rush is. Take some time off. Take three months off. And then figure, think about fighting. What's the rush? You just made so much money. Go sell your hot sauce. Go do some promotion. Go take a nice vacation. Take that beautiful one, that wife and the kid out. Yeah, go, go buy a fucking uh, lake home or something. Like, yeah, just go, go enjoy the the you know the riches of what you've earned here. What the fuck's the rush? Well, and, and that's, the, that's the thing, too, is not every athlete in combat sports has the opportunity to take time off. Dustin Poirier has been in big fights for the last two years, uh, championship fights, big money fights with Connor, and 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 uh, I believe he had some fights with uh, one of the Diaz, I believe, or something. He had he's had big fights. Yep. Now you're in championship fights again. You're making the money. A lot of these guys, let's it, Tui Tui Vasa is not making a million bucks. No. That's why he's drinking shit out of a fucking shoe, okay? Yes. Because the guy, the guy he's, he's not making a million dollars. He's going to have to fight again in three months. Yes. He will have to fight. Prize fighting. Key. He will you got the biggest prize. Fight. You have Dustin the biggest Poirier, prize. What's the rush? Dustin he may Poirier, not ever make that money again. He's got money now. 
Yes. And we know this because he went to Charles Oliveira's camp after the fight and said, hey, listen, Charles, I'm going to donate $20,000 to a charity of your choice. 20 grand. He's just like, I'm going to drop 20 grand. Like it was nothing. Like it's I, know, nothing. I know you just beat my ass, but uh, here's 20 grand. So Dustin has the cash. Yeah. He's, he's he's a popular guy. He's a family man. And we know that he, he values his family. Uh, and, and yes, he's going to fight again. This is not one of these things where we're talking Nunez should, should Dustin fight again? Should Dustin's going to fight again. Wait till, wait till next summer. Fuck it, man. Take some time off. Like Jay saying, take some time off. You got some cash. See the rush, man. Go put some new tires on your rig. You know, go sell your comes, hot sauce for fun. If he comes back in a year, he's he's gonna be just as hot in a year than he would be if he came back and fought in three months. One hundred percent accurate. Stock isn't gonna go down taking a year off. It's gonna stay stagnant, or it goes up because there's some weird shuffle of fighters, and everybody goes, "Ah, eh, well, you know, Dustin's still around. Maybe Dustin gets that fight." You know, there's, well, let's say Chandler and Gaethje are floating around there, and a year from now, and and he goes, oh, you know what? I'll fight one of those guys, and the and and you know, and, and whoever wins that fight can get a you know fight the champion. Again, no fucking rush. This guy's made so much money, has done all the press, done everything they've asked him to. Kick back, enjoy that money, homie. And he can Please. still do the press conferences. He can Most still skills do. Are fantastic. He he's he's such a marketable guy. Like he's he's a he's a he's a good looking guy. He's a nice guy. He's yes. he's he's very he's got he's very good with his words. He's very yeah, eloquent. He's a good guy. He, he he can still do the UFC press stuff. He can still go and talk to the high schools, and he can still go do his thing, but. Now is the best time ever in Dustin Poirier's life to just say, man, I can just hang back and just basically do whatever I want. Like if the UFC asks me to do something, I'll go do it because I'm employed by them. But I don't need to fight right now. What I need to do is go back home and make sure my wife's happy. I need to go That's play it. with my kid. It's fucking I need it. to go build a, you know, I need to go build a swing set in my backyard. I'm going to go be a philanthropist now and donate more money to other people and fucking start a Like charity, me, Dustin. You know? You yes. want to give me $20,000? I am a charity. He's I'm, about I'm to fight Frank you. Mir for less than that. Jesse's <laughs> never fought. Send him 20 Gs. A matter of baby. fact, why don't you just pay for my training, Dustin? I'll come up there yeah. and train with you. You can help me get Ooh. you know get caught up. You just We just said we don't want him training, and now you're trying to get free training. I, I respect it. Um, <laughs> so we're going to cut off the mixed martial arts portion of the show because it was a good portion. A ton. That was fun. Shout out our uh, hashtag MMA Twitter listeners. Jess, here's the plan. I'm going to rifle through these bad games. I'm not going to allow you to spend a ton of time on them. Let's I'm just going to cut you off if you start. <laughs> uh, we'll, Let's go. I'm going to go bad game, bad game, bad game, bad game. I'm going to start here. First bad game. Raiders are a six-point underdog to the Cleveland Browns. Six-point favorite at home. What you got? I'm taking the Raiders. Really? No shit. I like the upset, Browns to upset take right off. The I bat. like to I like the Browns to win and cover. The Raiders are in trouble. The Raiders may not win another game this season. The Dolphins are a eight and a half point favorite at home versus the New York Jets. Who you got? I got the Dolphins and the points. I got the Dolphins and the points as well. The Jets are going to continue to be a bottom four team. I've said that every week that we've done this show and we've done football predictions. The Philadelphia Eagles are kind of in the mix. I don't know if they're still in the mix, kind of in the mix. 
Whoever this is a loser leaves the mix game. The Philadelphia Eagles are a five point favorite. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're a five point favorite. And they're playing the Washington football team. Who you got? Uh, I've I've doubted the Washington football team last few weeks, and I'm I I won't do it right now. Not against the Eagles. I got Washington. Yeah, Washington was a tale of two um, halves, and the and the one half that mattered was the one that I watched with the Cowboys. Um, I, I'm I'm going the opposite. I like Philly, and I like the points. I don't like Washington. I think they're done, and I think Philly is weirdly trending up, but not trending up enough. The Arizona Cardinals are on the road. They are a 14-point favorite, and I see 13.5 on sub-sites against your favorite coach in the league, Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Jesse's once again an enormous underdog who you got. I have to take the cards. They're just they're and obviously the they're obviously the better team. And yes, yeah, so I'm gonna take the points because Kyler Murray and, and D Hop together they, they can put up they can put up twenty one just by themselves. Yeah, this feels like I feel like you can take the fourteen and almost double it. This feels like this game's gonna get away from Detroit the, quickly. This is gonna be I, I like twenty. If you told me this spread was nineteen and a half, I'd be like, holy yeah. shit! I'd be like, yeah, I'd, I'd consider it. Yeah. Um, this game isn't as sexy, so I'm going to skip it. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a very bad team. They, they, who knows what the fuck's going on with their coach? They are a three-point favorite at home against the Houston Texans. This is the battle of the worst teams in the league. Who you got? Look, don't cut me off. I'm just going to tell you. I, how can you be favored? How can you be favored at it? Don't a, cut a, me a, off. Any, on the road, at home, in England, in Mexico. How can you be the favorite when you have Canada? such? When you have such crazy bullshit happening in your front from your front office down to the floor do you like the texans and the points i do like the texans i'm taking houston they at least have stability right now they are not a very good football team but the jacksonville jaguars are screwed up from top to bottom you got trevor lawrence bitching about urban meyer you got urban meyer bitching about his assistant coaches everything you got meyer bitching about everything. you got james anderson uh over there i believe or james Robinson. robinson excuse me who I who last year was one of the best running backs in the NFL. He's getting benched because of a fumble. Well, who doesn't fumble in the NFL? Come For on, Carlos coach, Hyde. get with it. For Carlos Hyde. Um, God, Jesse you sold me. I was going to go Jags, <laughs> but you just sold me with that passionate take. Uh, Good I like Lord. Texans. I like the points. <laughs> Uh, this is a weird one. The Broncos are a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home versus the Bengals. I feel. I, did the Bengals' entire team get hurt? Who you got? <laughs> uh, you were talking about the Eagles trending up. Weirdly, the Bengals are trending down. Are they that hard? It, I don't know. They what... barely lost to the Niners. <sighs> it was such, like I watched the game. Mm. The Bengals didn't look like they were going to win, even when they were making a, a slight comeback. The, the Niners still felt like they were in control of that that game. And Joe Burrow. Uh, I still don't know if I want to put all blame on, on Joe Burrow, but there's things that he's doing that's not smart, and that offensive line is not protecting him as well as mm-hmm. it was in the first half of the of the season. And uh, Joe Mixon needs to get the ball more. I think you let that guy he's, – he's an amazing receiving running back. You, you need to get Mixon the ball more, and that alleviates some of that pressure from having to stand in the pocket for so long, which Joe Burrow's ended up having to do. But – uh, I'm I'm going opposite. I, I don't like the Bengals in this game. Wow, Jesus! You like the Broncos in the I, one I, and a half? I, I watched Denver uh, smash a really bad football team this last week, and uh, they did it with a two-headed well coach, Melvin uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. 
when they are running together and that's the game plan is we're going to run the shit out of the football, it's it's worked. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Broncos. When they play Vic Fangio, we're going to run the ball with our running backs. We're going to play play action. We're going to hope our quarterback doesn't make mistakes, and we're going to play really, really stout defense. They're tough Which to they beat. Have. They're tough to beat, but with that said, I like the Bengals. I like the points. I, 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 I think this is a comeback game, and I agree with everything you said. Why is it mixing getting 20 touches a game, whether they're screens, whether they're whatever? I Maybe it's their line is just so shitty they can't run block or pass block, um, but but I like the Bengals. I'm going opposite. Reminds me of Buffalo. Speaking of the San Francisco 49ers, they are at home. They are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite versus the Atlanta Falcons. You watched the Niners game here, Jess. Give me some quick thoughts on Garoppolo. He's not as shitty as, as, as advertised, right? Yeah, I think I pretty much completely shit all over Jimmy Garoppolo like a week or two ago. You were uh, being... I'm going to take some of that back because yeah. he looked against the Bengals. He looked like a competent starting quarterback in this league. He made some really good throws, uh, a lot of very smart decisions with the football. He still has that play to three plays in the game where you're like, what the fuck is Jimmy G doing? Yep. But uh, it, luckily they were able to survive those couple plays and they were able to win the game. He ended up with like uh, somewhere around 300 yards passing a couple touchdowns. The, the real story in San Francisco is Debo Samuels. Yep. When Debo is playing, they are in absolutely. They're not losing. I'm telling you. They're an absolutely different football team. I'm telling you. Just that this is what I've been telling you all season long. I'm when on the Debo, Debo bandwagon. When Debo plays, the defenses have to respect him. They 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 hand him the ball off. They have him line up at quarterback. Fuck Shanahan has him in all these weird and wild different scenarios, and they always work. But not only that, when they've got Kittle in that lineup, now you got two fucking studs, and you can't double both of them. Because Ayuk's got breakaway speed. When the Niners are healthy, they're fucking good, man. Um, I like the Niners, and I like the points here. I, I think the Niners are sneakily trending up, especially yeah, after yeah. that last. That that home loss against Seattle really hurt them. But if they I win this game now. Yep, but if they, you would think so, right? But here we are. I like Atlanta. I like, I'm sorry. I don't like Atlanta. I like San Francisco. No. I like the points. I like San Fran um, and the points too. We're getting lot. into some weird games, and I, I want to try and stay with the with the with. I want to keep the sexy, but um, Tampa Bay is an eleven point favorite at New Orleans. New Orleans is a shit show now. Who you got? Oh, uh, I think uh, you got to go Tampa Bay. Tampa um, Bay and the points. The, the points. The points seems like a lot, though. I'm going to be honest. I don't, know if I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm thrilled with that. Alvin Kamara played his ass off. Like, I don't give a fuck who's throwing week. the ball for New Orleans. They're don't, they don't. No one needs to. I'll go. I'll just go hand the ball off <laughs> Kamara's Alvin throwing like the ball 45 times in the same game. Let's just see what happens. Uh, I got I got Tampa Bay. I, I don't like the points. I, I like maybe nine, ten points. I don't like 11 and a half. It's ten and a half on some. Sides. I don't like maybe you're on the Let's go. Let, I'm going nine, nine, I, nine, maybe I, ten, uh, ten. I like Tampa Bay and I like the points. I really do. I don't trust New Orleans. I think they're bad. I know this is an in-division type thing, but ta- Tampa's rolling right now, man. And I know, and we'll talk about the Bills in a second, but they're rolling. Um, I think we're almost through all the bad games. Minnesota is a three and a half, four on some websites. Favorite on the road versus Chicago. God damn, when Fields looks bad, he looks bad. Who you got? <laughs> you know what I think the Las Vegas should do for the Vikings? They should just have a push for every Vikings game. <laughs> no, the three and a half is right because I've been saying it every single week. Here's another thing. I'm repetitive here. 
every single game they win or lose is by a score. It's, it's, it's absolutely score. It, it's absolutely <laughs> amazing yeah. to watch the Vikings play because when they lose, they lose by one to three points, like Jay said, or when they win, they win by one to three points. There's no other way around it. Like they're they're the most this the happens to one game. This happens to one team every season. But even that one team every season, it's not this many fucking games. It's every game for the Vikings. It is. You usually you have a team, especially you know, like so have like eight or nine of these games. You know, you'd be like, oh man, like you know, Buffalo. Like this year, in in less than three point uh, wins or losses, Buffalo's own five, which is which is shitty. Yeah, it's but but you can also you can turn around and say, well, the Vikings. It's not just five games. It's been like. 12 games. I'm telling you. It's every one of it's, them. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's a phenomenon, really. Yes. It's it's for, it, yes, it's now reached to a phenomenon level. <laughs> it's not it's not just the number. It's went from trending up to now phenomenon. Um who you got by the way? So, so I, I'm gonna just jump in here. I like the Vikings and the points just because I don't like the Bears at all. Uh yeah. Uh, I I think that one day Justin Fields is gonna click for him. I really do. Uh, but it's just not this season. Yeah, not today. It's, it's, too, it's too soon. It's not today. It's not next week. Uh, I got the Vikings, and I'll go ahead and take the points. They got to fire that coach and then go from there. Did we do Seahawks-Rams? Not yet. Uh, Seahawks-Rams. Rams are a seven-point uh, favorite, six-and-a-half on some so, uh, sites at home. What you got? How far have we fallen as the Los Angeles Rams? It's the beginning of the season. They were favored by, like, double digits in almost every game. Are they winning right now, or are they losing? I haven't they're, seen this they're like they're I'm a couple in the last right four weeks. They've lost a couple in the last they're four up. weeks. They're up seven three right now. Well, that's good for them. Sneaky Beckham got a touchdown. <laughs> uh, I like the Rams. Uh, the Seahawks are the, the Seahawks only go as far as the line allows Russell to play, yep. and that line is atrocious. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, L.A. I feel like I've picked every game. Rams or every game, and I like the spread, but I like the spread too. I like yeah, the Rams, I but I like the points. All right, coming back up here, Green Bay is a five. Oh, this is a weird one. Four and a half, five, five and a half, and it's off the board on some sites. Um, Packers are a five, five and a half, four and a half on the road versus the Ravens. I'm guessing that line's all over the place because they don't know if Lamar is going to play, even though they just said he would. Who you got? Uh, I got the Packers. Uh, I, I think that overall they're just the, the better football team. My question to you is Lamar Jackson gets carted off for what appears to be a serious leg injury. And then today they report, hey, guess what, guys? He's, he's fine. He didn't get hurt <laughs> at right. all. Be did, right. did the guy just have to go take another shit? And that was like his excuse? It was this the Paul Pierce like, what, thing? What, what, what was happening? Is this like Paul Pierce? He, they put him in the wheelchair? They put him in the wheelchair? <laughs> yes. It was like, hey, I, like, but where was his Superman moment? Wasn't he supposed to come back? And he did like, he, he did it. He just shit his pants. <laughs> he just I don't. Pants. I don't. I mean, I don't know, and I don't know if this is one of those things where they're just trying to throw off the scent, and then you know, Saturday night or Sunday morning, Hundley's the fuck ends up being the quarterback. But um, I don't care who's the quarterback. I think Green Bay is rolling right now. Yeah, and, Green, and Green Bay is Green Bay is getting scary, and yeah. I like Green Bay, and I like the points. Yeah, I like Green Bay and the points, and I will. T- I will say this also real quick about Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson does not look like he's having fun playing football. Which is a problem. And that well, is I mean, a problem. well, they got they got to get some receivers there. Thursday night, Chiefs Chargers. This is fun. Little sex. Who you got? Uh, it is sexy. Four this is, this is definitely sexy. Chiefs, game. Four, Chiefs four points on the road, and the Chiefs are fucking rolling. 
you know what? I don't think the Chiefs are rolling as much as everybody thinks. They've beaten some mediocre teams, and Patrick Mahomes only threw for uh, he threw for under two hundred yards in this last game. Or no, sorry, uh, he he didn't. Well, that was I think it was three hundred. It was like yeah. three hundred yards, but it was somewhere. It was it was not Patrick Mahomes like football. You know, I haven't seen a game where Patrick Mahomes looked like past Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. in a few games at least. And I will tell you what, man, you want to talk about a team that's rolling right now. I think the the, the LA Charters mm-hmm. and Justin fucking babyface Herbert, those guys I'm are rolling. Coming. I'm going upset. City Chargers over Chiefs. Here's the one game where I don't like the spread. I like the Chiefs to win. I like the Chargers to cover. This is a three-point game. Either way, if the Chargers win, it's a field goal at the end of the game. This is the, the here's my obligatory comes down to who has the ball within two minutes and the X amount of timeouts. And I, it's going to be whoever it is, but I feel like it's going to be the Chargers. I like the Chargers here. I, I like Chargers to cover, but not the, the Chiefs to win outright. Uh, Patriots, two point underdog on the road to the Indianapolis Colts. I was not ready for that. Two and a half on some sites. We got. Uh, I got the Colts, and I like the points. And the reason why? Because I don't think that the Patriots can stop Jonathan Taylor in that run game. You hate the Patriots right now, don't you? I do hate the Patriots. So, so I wanted to say this last week, and I didn't get a chance, because when we started doing the pod was when the Patriots' bills kicked off. And I wanted to say, and, and, if, and maybe I did, if the, the bills somehow lose these two games, this game and the Tampa Bay game, it's going to be gloom and doom. It's going to be how the mighty have fallen when the reality is they're just playing really good teams. They're not getting blown out in these games. They're just no. they're, they're just losing them. Um, the New England game, that was interesting. And, and we haven't talked about this since the taping um, or since last week's taping. That just felt to me like just that was the Belichick game. That was just, I say this again every week, you're going to get that Tomlin game, that Belichick game, that Andy Reid game where you just go, man, that guy's just a great coach. And that's what that felt like. Yeah, definitely. Bel- Belichick, uh, he, he knew, you know what, Belichick usually comes into a game with a, with a really solid game plan. And against Buffalo, uh, you already know that they have problems stopping the run. Everybody knows that now. I don't know why teams don't run against Buffalo 30 times a game. But- yeah, because it worked. But it works, and and in including or include the weather, which was blustery winds, yes, a little Terrible. bit of snow flurry here and there. No it one's kicking any field goals. Cold. No one's kicking field goals. Sean McDermott tried to get a field goal in there, and it, the, the wind just carried that bastard away. Uh, Bill Belichick said, "You know what? Fuck this. We got three competent running backs. We're gonna run them all." And they ran the ball 47 fucking times. And that's how you beat a team in those conditions. You got to love. Um, I've, I'm a firm believer in Bill Belichick looks at the schedule and then realizes, oh, the Mannings are going to be broadcasting this game. That's cute. Let me show the Mannings how valuable they are on television. I just won't throw the fucking football at all. We'll throw the football three three times. times. Let them go. Let these two smart quarterbacks go ahead and analyze these three fucking throws that my quarterback just threw up. Oh, and by the way, we're going to win. Oh, and by the way, I hate fucking Manning because uh, that guy was a thorn in my side when he was in Indianapolis. I can see it. I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) It's true. I bet you you're right. Man, this one's tricky. This is a pick them, and that's why the two points seems about right to me. Um, I, I'm man. I just think the Colts are back to being the bad boys and the team everybody hates, and and we and we're they're the heels, and uh, I like the Patriots to win. I think this is another Belichick just out coaches the out coaches uh, the whatever the fuck. Right, Colts, right. Yeah, right, the right, right, the right, do the right thing. 
I like the Patriots. I don't love them, but I like them. Um, I'm missing a game here. The Carolina Panthers versus your Buffalo Bills. I wanted to wait to this moment to talk about your Buffalo Bills. As we mentioned on the previous game, they're going through some lumps here. They're going through that weird part of the season. Statistically, there's some weird number. Like they have to, they may not make the playoffs if they like lose some games here. There's a team like number wise that's ahead of them. They are a 10 and a half point favorite versus the Carolina Panthers. I'll tell you right now, I don't know if I like these points. Jess, what you got? Well, I'm going to tell you this much. As far as Buffalo's offense is concerned, if you didn't watch the Tampa Bay football game, then you know, or if you did watch it, excuse me, then you know the only way for the Buffalo Bills to win is to absolutely unleash Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. You have a stud quarterback who is willing to put his body on the line, much like a young Cam Newton, which obviously doesn't always work out because injuries happen and Josh got injured in uh, the Tampa Bay game. But Josh Allen became the fourth player in NFL history to throw for over 300 yards and rush for 100 yards. And guess who was also on that list? Cam Newton. Of course. So Josh, now that first half of football, I'm just going to talk about this because I have to. The first half of football was terrible. Buffalo got outclassed in every which way, shape, and form. Leonard Fournette busted huge runs through that, that line. And Bruce Arians started doing the whole, like, hey, you know what? Like, we can run against these guys. Let's just run. Second half, Bruce, uh, he switched up his, his game plan, and he tried to throw a bunch of passes. And Brady was doing okay, having average success in the second half, but not the success he had in the first half. Buffalo defense finally showed up. And Joshua Patrick Allen took the ball and said, let me do what I got to do, and we're going to win this fucking yep. game. And it came down to – you can – Bills fans can talk about the officiating, and I do believe that officiating costs teams in every game, every all every week in the, of the NFL season. There's a bad call somewhere. So yes, you can you can say that the calls cost them, but putting up ten points in the first half and allowing twenty four doesn't really fucking help you much. Uh, in the second half, it came down to what I believe cost us the game is coaching scared. Mm. The head coach, Sean McDermott, made some really questionable calls. There was the fourth and three fake punt that didn't work. When you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, who had already been crushing the defense uh, with his, his run game, you have to trust the players that you have to make plays. And certain calls is what cost him the game in the second half. And you can say bad coverage that last uh, touchdown. And, and, yeah, there was some broken coverage there. It looked like uh, the defense wasn't lined up properly. Um, basically it just comes down to there are some questionable coaching calls in this game against Carolina I think that what we're going to end up seeing is the Mitchell Trubisky show yep Josh is going to get a free week to rest up from mm -hmm. what was called a sprained foot I agree I think that Mitchell Trubisky will come in and this is what's going to happen you're going to see the same offense because this is what Mitch Trubisky can play he can play this offense it's set for a guy like him He's got average running speed. He can still get out of the pocket. He can make tough throws. He's, he's not Josh, but he's in that level of, like, I can do some of the things that Josh can do, maybe, not, you know, without some more of the spectacular plays. But Trubisky was a starter on the Bears for, like, four years, so I'm not going to take anything mm -hmm. away from this guy. Um, I think Carolina is terrible. Yes, more important. <laughs> and that's probably the biggest take. Yes. Trubisky's going to go in there. He's going to be able to still put up points. Uh, Buffalo's defense is going to hang tight with 
who P.J. Walker, Cam Newton, uh, who Sam Darnold, any of those quarterbacks, the defense will be able to handle pretty well. I think the game gets out of hand late. Buffalo wins this game which with Mitch Trubisky getting his first big win as a Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying here. This this is going to remind this. – I'd like to compare this to the game that the Cowboys played against the Panthers where – it's kind of close, you know, it's like 10, 13, you know, 13, 17, most of the game. And then at some point, you know, sometime in that fourth quarter, um, it, it breaks away from Carolina just because they're just a bad team and they don't have any offense. And, and what I've noticed with Carolina this year, and this happens with a lot of teams now, is if you just don't have the firepower and you go down 10 to 13 points, that's it. Like yep. you're, you're, that's usually it. Offenses now will completely strategize to keep the ball out of your hand. Defenses will strategize to know that you're that that offense is playing, and that the defenses are playing less because they're getting the rest because the offenses are staying on the field, and it's just it just ends up being all bad. Um, how how much longer does Carolina give Matt Rule? I think this year, I think this year is a wash of the hands because of the whole McCaffrey thing. I think he gets another full year. I think he gets a, another full year, and they'll probably even let him take a dabble at another quarterback. I think they should before before, before they get rid of him. He's he's got at least another full year. You really, I mean, again, it's easy to say, right? But I, I guarantee you, when he looks at this year, they're going to look back at the snapshot. And I thought, I think I said this last week, and go, we didn't have Cam, we didn't have we didn't have McCaffrey. McCaffrey's the difference. We got Cam back, and that's great. It's a fun story, but we didn't have McCaffrey, and he's our entire offense. Bottom line, their entire offense is centered around one dude, and when that one dude isn't there, they ain't winning. Bottom line, uh, I like the Bills. I like the points. One more game. How about them Cowboys? They back. The boys are back. God, I saw people saying Michael Parsons might be the best defensive player in the league, and I mean. I mean, I like it, but come on, guys. Um, they're a 10-point favorite on the road in New York against the terrible Giants. Jess, our last game, who you got? Uh, I've got the Cowboys, and I've said it all year that the Cowboys are a horribly underrated football team. Uh, I think Dak is still horribly underrated at the quarterback position. And they've, they've got serious firepower, and that defense is better because Micah Parsons mm-hmm. is a beast. Yep. The, I don't remember a linebacker coming into the league as a rookie and dominating the way that he has in some time. I know that we've had some great linebackers come in and really you know, dominate their, their position as a rookie, but he has come in, and it's like he's playing against college athletes again. Like He's all over the field. He's got yep. some picks. He's got he's some doing, sacks. He's doing incredible hybrid shit. He's doing the DeMarcus Ware thing where if he's blitzing, he's difficult to defend. And if he wants to drop back and cover your tight end or cover your running back off of a screen, he can do that too. Michael Parsons is an amazing, uh, an amazing linebacker. Uh, but more importantly, he's an amazing uh, athlete, and that's what gives him the opportunity to be all over the field like he has. And as a rookie, I have to say he should be in the running for not just rookie defensive player of the year, but defensive player of the year. Uh, it, it's interesting because we got to see if uh, Diggs continues to pick up interceptions here and there. And I know the he's got some glaring spots when they go to the next level numbers that go, yeah, he's been burned a lot, though. But fucking every defensive back in the league has been burned a lot. You can basically – are you going to take the defensive back that hasn't been burned a lot but has no picks? 
or you think the defensive back has been burned more times than not, but he's got eight or nine picks or ten picks, whatever the season end, ends with. It's gonna they're gonna take digs. Um, I like the Cowboys. I love the points. I don't care who the running back is this week. This is gonna be another dink and dunk show by Dak. They're gonna win something like thirty to seventeen or, or thirty fourteen. It's gonna be another blowout. And it's like you said, it's all those things. It's the underrated Cowboys who are starting to hit on all cylinders. It's Amari who's starting to get all of his, I guess you would say, uh, lung capacity back. He's starting to play. <laughs> he's starting to play at, at damn you, COVID. Speed. He's off the pitch count, if you will, right? And and bottom line, their defense is flying right now. And and this is what all Cowboys fans were hoping for, is you get Demarcus Lawrence rolling, you get your boy um, Diggs rolling, and then, of course, we got our linebackers that are playing fantastic. Again, as a Cowboys fan, you can't ask for much more other than your offense showing up and, and scoring the 17 to 20 points they need to to win these games. And the offense, by the way, I think will will be better over time, especially with guys like CD having a, a full year in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, next year is going to be an amazing thing to watch that offense transform. But as far as it is right now, it's pr- a pretty damn good offense. So as long as the defense can hold that standard that they're at right now, and maybe even a little bit better, uh, I say that the NFC teams need to watch out when it comes playoff time. I think that the elite tier is still going to be Tampa Bay, and then unfortunately the New England Patriots. I'm sorry, yeah, you're right, Green Bay. Um, and then under that is is New England. And then after that is that second tier where you've got Buffalo, where you've got Green Bay, where you've got Dallas, where you've got Arizona, where you've got these other teams. And it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I think, It'll be fun. I think we're done with our football analysis. I think we're done, Jess. I think we got under 100 minutes worth of uh, show here. Just, just about under. We're, we're right there. Uh, so folks, uh, again, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Jay and I had fun talking about his, uh, soon to be vasectomy. Please uh, name this the vasectomy pregame show. This is, I, th- that will be the title of the show, the vasectomy pregame show. Uh, anybody out there listening to the show? Uh, I know most of you are, are guys and we thank you for that. You ladies out there listening to the show. Thank you for that. We love uh, you. Well, we, we love you all. Uh, but men, if you've had a vasectomy done, I don't want to hear about the good things that have happened. I want to hear about the horror stories. Tell me about the time that your balls swelled up to the size of cantaloupes, and then you had to go back to your doctor and maybe have them do a little procedure afterwards. Did you have a hole in your nuts like my boy? Did you have a hole in your nutsack like Jay's boy? Okay, let's hear some of these stories. Let's see if we can really freak Jay out here. Get us up on Twitter. Because Jess has done a great job as is. Hey, follow Jay at Valdez spelled backwards 559 and follow myself at JTT81. And then, of course, follow the pod at Team Toss 21. And then we want to hear the stories. And if you do have a good story, like, yeah, everything went well, it was fine. You know, I had a really pretty nurse and I got some chub, but that was the worst of it. You can go ahead and tell us that too. It's fine. Folks, that's it for the show. We'll be back next week and uh, we'll talk some more sports. And uh, for all of you who complained about not enough life stuff, Maybe we'll throw some of that in there, too. That's it. Peace, God.